What's going on, folks? Welcome back to another episode of the Knicks Wall Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kyle Maggio, joined by my co-host, Sean Geddes. What's going on, buddy? Yeah, what's going on, bro? I mean, you know, uh, I feel like I'm getting by every day, and I feel like getting by is exactly what the Knicks are doing lately. So I feel like everyone's more or less on the same page right now. Uh, I mean, uh, can we even call it getting by these days? Like... I guess we're in better spirits after like a friendly loss, but I don't, I'm still, I'm kind of pissed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so last time you guys talked to us, I know we, we talked on a couple of the broader issues with the team, but, you know, they just came off of this past weekend. Uh, maybe the ugliest one of the season to the hapless Rockets that they should have, I mean, really, that was the time to really put your foot down and make a statement game. They did not. Uh, they escaped, and a win is a win is a win, as we always say. But, I mean, what a disgusting, awful win that was. Uh, it took basically first half Fournier, and then, you know, big shot Burks down the stretch. Fourth quarter, Burks taking over. I think he had, like, 17 of his 20 points. Like, almost every all of his stats were accumulated in the fourth quarter. Yeah, literally, like, literally. Mad steals, mad assists, mad, everything was on the fourth. It was just literally Alex Burks show. Every Every – Every possible action that could have happened on the court was almost taken by Alec Burks, which was, you know, first 10 games, you you almost couldn't have played as bad as he did. And now these last 10, really, I mean, he's come on really, really strong, which is great. So shout out Alec Burks for, for saving that game. And, uh, you know, that was, that was excellent. But the Bulls game was the freshest one. I want to start there at least. But um, I thought it was a good loss. I know that that's tough to say this season. We've been really angry about a lot of losses, but um, I don't know why people act like Chicago's not good, first of all. And there's this weird thing since the preseason uh, where people are angry at the Bulls for having improved, and we've been arguing about who improved more, who's actually better, whatever. Uh, regardless of how you feel about them, uh, they're real good, man. Uh, I mean, they're, go they're going on West Coast – road trips and kicking ass. It doesn't matter who's playing, not playing. They're, they're beating teams up. They're just, they're getting it done. Uh, the defense has largely been pretty good over there. And offensively, DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine are just doing disgusting things to teams most nights. Last night, you know, RJ did a pretty decent job on, on DeMar again. Uh, I thought that that was probably the highlight of RJ's game was playing defense and, and rebounded well. We will talk about RJ's struggles in large soon, but I thought it was a pretty all right loss. I mean, Julius Randle's got to be your main cog, your engine, right? And it almost seemed like no matter what Julius did this season, somebody had a problem with it. If he was, you know, being aggressive but taking shots he took last year, right? Everyone had a problem with it because it was all of a sudden he's missing the mid-range. So don't take any mid-range. We don't want to see it. This is bread and butter last year, but we don't want to see it, right? Okay. So he stops doing those. He, he takes 10, or, you know, 10, 11 threes, hits four of them. Everyone's just like, well, you can't only take threes. You know, what is this? This is ridiculous. You got to be more aggressive. Despite the fact that he was very passive in setting his teammates up, then that was a problem too, right? But then last night where he goes, okay, you know what? I hear you guys. I'm just going to attack. I'm just going to attack the rim. 
I'm going to get these missed, but they successfully got mismatches too. Now Chicago's playing a little bit smaller lately, just in general with injuries that they have, you know, Pat Williams is out, but it was a it was successful switching that happened last night, which we haven't seen the Knicks really be able to pull off. You know, a lot of times Randall gets stifled with some of these bigs and things like that. And they don't really help him out with these actions getting blown up, but it seemed like every trip down, they successfully got Julius on whoever he wanted, you know, Lonzo Ball, whoever, and he was just going down into the post. He, Derek Jones Jr. doesn't matter. Get out of here, right to the rim. Get into the line, hitting a bunch of threes, keeping it simple, you know. Uh, and it was really nice to see. He needed to have a good game scoring the basketball, and he did. So in terms of that happening, I was pleased. In terms of the shots we played, you know, we got in large, I was pleased. If R.J. Barrett remembers how to score the basketball, we probably win that game. Um, they, to me, it's kind of that simple. So I, I don't mind losses like that when pretty much everything goes according to the game plan, including your star stepping up like Julius did. But, uh, I mean, what, what did you see last night? Yeah, I know everybody seems to have a reactionary or just an angry take after a loss or things not going the way we want right now. But, I mean, what, what's in your brain right now after this, this strange weekend of mixed basketball? Um, well, as you said, the, the win against the – I was more upset with the win against the Rockets than I was with the loss against the Bulls. Um, I thought that we allowed a team that wasn't a good basketball team to put us in a dogfight, and we had to be dragged out of it by Alec Burks having an insane quarter, and I was really annoying. But uh, yesterday, um, I mean, we were – like you said, the game, we went according to the game plan. We saw Julius have a game that – because honestly, I was getting to a point where, like, it was like, okay – what is like does Julius remember how to do what he did last year like he's like in a different situation now the starters are all jumbled and blah 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 there's no continuity in the lineup it's like has this made it so he can't get to the same spots he did because I, I didn't know what there was he wasn't playing with that fire that like you know it was a lot of a mental thing and so yesterday I feel like he still had some lapses defensively which were sort of annoying but like he was in a whole different mindset. It looked like the Julius we saw last year. And that was very refreshing. And I know if it made me feel better, it had to make him feel better. I mean, with where we were able to get him the ball, um, some of the actions we used, some of the ways he was able to operate within the mismatches, he was able to, he, he got a lot of good looks for guys yesterday too. I mean, he had 34 and 13 for 19. It was really efficient, but he created good opportunities for guys that just, he was creating to people that weren't hitting any shots. I mean, RJ hasn't hit a shot in like, you know, outside of those three threes in the uh, fourth quarter against Indiana, RJ hasn't hit a shot since like, I don't know, it's been like three weeks. It feels like it's ridiculous. It's very painful. It's very sad. Um, Evan Fournier had one good game against the worst team in the NBA and went right back to stealing money. So, you know, it's it must be tough to shoot through a ski mask. I understand. Um, and then Emmanuel quickly was one for eight from three, I believe. So it's just like, who is he really kicking it up to? I don't think Derek Rose. So, you know, it's, it's, he had a really good game. That game would look a lot different if other guys were hitting shots. And like you said, if RJ starts hitting shots, that's a win. And that's the part that's most frustrating about the way that RJ's playing. You know, I mean, I'm used to Evan Fournier being asked. Um, he's been doing it quite consistently. And it is what it is. I would like to just move on from him and play somebody else those minutes. But we're RJ, like we're so heavily invested in him. And there's a difference. And I, I just I want to make that clear because I feel like people are very quick to heap on RJ. And I, as an RJ defender, as an RJ stand, like I, I'm very objective. He's playing like shit. He's shooting like shit. It's terrible. But let's not act like because people in my mentions like, oh, when are you gonna say that about RJ? And it's just like, bro, like I, I said, he's shooting like shit. What more do you want me to say? All the time we say it. All the time. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're the first ones to say it most times. <laughs> folks get upset when this, my my issue with folks with, with this discourse. Most of it's always online, and I always come on this podcast and complain about it it's because you can't ever like just say, "Oh, I noticed this one part of their game right now is is like second." Like for example, last two weeks, RJ played like dog shit both sides of the ball, both sides. It wasn't just shooting the ball. Played no defense. It was awful, awful. Bad gambles, late rotations, lack of days, shit. Like he's always so sharp. It was so noticeable, right? So. You got to do better, you know, period. But even like, for example, we were talking about the Randall struggles too. And it's like, for me, for a while, it was like, yeah, I mean, I would like to see maybe a little bit more defensive energy at times. But at the same time, we know what the scheme is with helping off the corners. In the paint, they ranked amongst the tops, right? With uh, interior defense at the rim. So I was like, I mean, interior D, they've kind of statistically stacked up well enough because we're getting bombed from three. So, I mean, that was my big issue. And then even uh, in the Rockets game, you know, Randall had nine assists. What I've been saying on this podcast for weeks is, is if the backcourt, anybody that's a guard or forward makes three-pointers, he's going to have assists. He's leaving potential assists on the table every night. He's averaging five. He's probably generating between 10 and 12. I mean, he's not going to get all of them every single night, of course, but you, you can't miss them this, this many shots. Uh, this is RJ, Evan, everybody. Kemba, we've been talking about it with all those guys. So, you know, obviously when you make shots somebody's line might look a little bit better like 16 10 9 you only had two turnovers in that game but like guys gotta like people get angry when you know i'm the biggest randall defender but it's like yeah i mean you can't shoot 4 15 either in the rockets game like you just can't you're julius randall you can't especially when before this you're shooting like 4 15 every game so it doesn't you know again like i said about rj it's great that you rebounded it's great that you were playing good defense but scoring the basketball is most of the game you're not scoring the basketball it doesn't, it's not 50 50 because you're doing other stuff, you know? But people don't, nobody wants to just go bucket by bucket with these players. Everybody just wants to be like, well, Julius is missing shots. So Julius only sucks. He's the reason that this is bad. Our RJ, like, you know, RJ misses his shots last night, but nobody talks about the defense or the rebound. It's just RJ, RJ had a bad game again. Da, 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 da. And, it's, and like, I get it to an extent, but everybody just wants you to like quickly like turn and be like, this guy sucks now. Everything's awful. You know, we got to, everything's got to be it's... game by game, week by week. I think it's disgusting, honestly. And I've always thought it was disgusting. And it's one of the more disgusting parts of not only the fan base, but I guess humanity. Like, I don't experience this in other NBA fan bases. I'm not a part of them. But it's just like, now I'm seeing, I saw so many trade machine screenshots with RJ Barrett included today. And I want to fight. I'm not going to lie. Like, personally, I want to fight. And it's stop, like stop. Because then these same people, when he's back on, whenever he gets back on, listen, this is too long of a slump, 100%. Like, it's very annoying. It's very frustrating. And like you said, it was on both sides of the ball at a point. Last night, I was very – he played great defense. And it had been a while since we saw him on, like, a primary wing like that. Like, I think one of the last people we saw him on was Zach, honestly. And he did a great job on Zach last time. He did a great job on Zach this time. Held him under 30% both times. Uh, stopped him in the baskets. And, uh, denied the ball well. Stopped him on the perimeter. Like, what? What more can you ask for defensively? Then he went and got 15 boards. Like you said, the Kobe thing. I'm not hitting anything. All right, I'll just crash the boards. 15 boards, great defense. That game is an amazing game if he knocks some shots down. He just has to knock shots down. So we can say that. We can say he's shooting terribly. We can say we need more from him offensively. We don't have to turn that into he sucks. Will he ever be an all-star in his career? Like, oh, he he's not the guy. We need to trade him. Like, bro, stop. That is disgusting and it pains me to share a fan base with people like that so please cut it out yeah i mean 
he's 21 years old. I'm not even trying to do the forever, the forever patience thing, because you know, I'm always the first one to not have any patience with guys. It's a results oriented business. You got to put up results. Shit changes all the time in this league, all the time, constantly. Right. You know, we, this is my thing. You know, a lot of people ask us questions about why are we so reactionary about Burks or, or Fournier and, and not guys like this. And it's like, well, it's simple. Uh, it's always, to me, it's very simple. I feel like, you know, everybody likes to make fun of me for this, but very simple. Those guys are like, obviously role players, like obviously not like there's a cap on how good those guys are going to be and how big of a role that they're ever going to be in for any team. Right. RJ is still 21. RJ is still, you're supposed to be molding his role out a bit. So to me, that's part of my issues is when like, okay, well, Evan Fournier, like, He's 31 years old, right? Like, and this is part of why I had issues with Fournier before the season and with that big contract that everybody likes to reference my 78 million American dollars for every Fournier tweet that everyone asked me for an update for after game one. And I haven't, I haven't gotten any updates back since then, which is very strange. Uh, it's, a, it's just a, I'm just wondering aloud uh, what, what happened to everybody. I was, I was wondering, I, I had to recant publicly. Everybody was comes after me. I got to recant. I got to say, sorry. Sorry, guys, that was too much money. Sorry. And then here we are two weeks later. We're not even at game 20 yet. And he's stinking it up most of the night. I mean, don't, but those guys, like, they don't do anything else. Like, Fournier can't dribble. Fournier can't create. Everybody likes to talk about the creating and this passing in the half court. I don't see it because he goes into the half, he goes into the half court. Anytime he steps in the three-point line, I know he's throwing up some bullshit every single time. He's going to throw up some, he can't get around anybody. He runs into whichever defender he sees first. He throws something. It always goes off the backboard first. If you ever notice, it's always off the backboard. It clanks off either the back of the rim, the side of the rim. Hopeless. He doesn't even like, it, there's not even any finesse. It's just like his body gets stuck and he hoists something up and then it goes off the backboard. It's disgusting, bro. Just catch and shoot. And if you don't catch and shoot, one dribble, two dribbles, either direction, make a decision, pull up that way, pass it. That's it. His role should be very clear. Like, they should have let him do nothing else in, in practice. Like, th this, this meandering with the basketball, I hate that stuff, right? But, like, RJ, I would rather struggle that way than Fournier because RJ has to figure that shit out. RJ is very strong. We've seen RJ take over games. We've seen RJ throw his body around. When they give him more space to operate in terms of letting him be an initiator and run off the pick and rolls, like, that to me has got to be a regular part of the offense. You got bigs to run it. You know, we've seen RJ play briefly with some bench units a little bit more. He should be playing with Obi then. Run the, we, if you ran the pick and roll with him and Mitch when, when they're starting, you run the pick and roll with him and Obi. To me, this is like simple basketball that can get your guys going. You know, like even the stuff with Randall last night, sometimes that's what you need, right? Like we just talked about the top of the pod. All right, finally, right? It felt like it, Randall had the right approach. And even when they, he was passing it, guys were passing it right back to him or vice versa. It was like real give and go type stuff. You got to simplify the game sometimes. And, you know, RJ mostly just needs to make jump shots, really. Like he's getting open looks, the same looks he's always got. He's just got to make the jump shots. Like primarily that's points 1A, B, C, D, and E for me. But like after that, it's like you, you could stand to get him a little bit better going downhill again it can't always just be he grabs the rebound and goes in transition sometimes yeah reset it up top after you do your normal hand they, always, they love the handoff action they love the pistol we talk about it every single time in this spot but you could do more stuff with rj it's fine I, i'm always fine with that stuff with randall with how dynamic he is to start the, the possession but if it doesn't work which sometimes it doesn't it should be a quick reset to rj and go it doesn't go that way they kick it out to kemba again or fournier again and then you know they haven't been producing so 
to me, that's where a lot of these starter minutes, everybody likes to reference the, the minus numbers for like Randall and other guys. When your backcourt gives you like 10 points every night, your, your, your big upgrade at backcourt, like no offense, like Reggie, Reggie Bullock could have done this, you know, Re- Reggie Bullock could have just stood there and just jacked up threes and played some defense. Like I, I'm not even trying to like go all the way back into that wormhole, but like, Hey man, you paid a lot of money, uh, second highest paid player on the team. You can't do this this often. You just can't. So, I mean, I'm not even saying ban Fournier, but it's like, yeah, I mean, get, why don't, why don't we at least try to get him some, some runs with the bench units? You know what I mean? It's like a little shit like that. I just, it's frustrating, man. I just don't know what it's going to take and I'm right. But you know, I know that one, when we got, uh, Ryan hit me up before he put the video out and he was like, Hey, I used a clip of you. Like, is this okay? And it was me saying Tibbs is an asshole. And you know, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's cool. Cause I did say it and I still stand by it. Yo, Tom Thibodeau is an asshole. Like it's really <laughs> frustrating. Like He just refuses to adjust. He's incredibly stubborn and he's in his own way. And it's really disappointing. And I watched him do it for, you know, 75 games last year. It was the most obvious uh, move that needed to be made. He refused to make it no matter what happened. And the other thing about it, it's like, because what's really bothering me lately, everybody always talks about, like, how, you know, relentless the New York media is. Where is that? Like, what's going on? I know uh, Berman asks all kind of bullshit questions all the time trying to stir the pot. Stir the pot with a good question, bro. Like, ask why. Last year, nobody would ask why he won't bench Alfred. This year, nobody will ask why he won't play Obi more. Like, ask him a question that needs to be asked because I need answers because it doesn't make any sense. For Mitchell Robinson, Taj Gibson to both be out, no one's no other to be in foul trouble almost the entirety of the game, and Obi Toppin to still play 13 minutes literally doesn't even compute. Like, I don't don't even know how you manage to do that. Like, if I was playing 2K and I had to figure my rotations out and Mitchell Robinson and Taj Gibson are both out and no one's got in foul trouble, I'm not even sure how I could only give Obi 13 minutes. So I'm almost impressed by it. Like, you, he is so dedicated to his stubbornness that he will go out of his way to hold back our top 10 pick from last year, who has shown all of the growth that we've been asking him to show on both sides of the ball. So I, I'm just really, like, at my wit's end with that um, because it, it also seeps in everything else. Like, Evan Fournier is out there doing absolutely nothing and still playing and still starting. How long do we have to watch him start as the second highest paid player on the team shooting? I mean, what who knows what the percentage is? It's probably, it's still under 30, even with that one good Rockets game. And it's just really, really disappointing. Like over the past 10 games, he's probably shooting like 27%. And it's unacceptable. And like you said, like RJ shoots poorly. Yes. Hate it. Uh, but we want to see more things from RJ. RJ has to develop other things. He's 21 years old, and he's doing other things on the floor, such as really good defense and rebounding. Evan Fournier is providing nothing. And I agree with what you said. Like, I can't, you know, I can't clamor for it as loudly, but we do need to put RJ in different situations. We do need to help him out more. We do need to have him get more creation opportunities, put him in more high pick and roll. Like, leaning, the jumper's not falling right now. And RJ is very important to this team. Like we said, if RJ hit some shots yesterday, we win that game. So I think that as a coach, first of all, we should have leaned into these things while RJ was playing well, but whatever. Can't go back and fix anything. But right now, you know you need RJ to perform, so why not help him? Like, 
start running more of the high pick and rolls to get him going downhill and, you know, get it, get it, get into a good rhythm, be able to finish juices. He's not finishing either though. So it's like, ugh, everything, like I said, I can't really be loud about it right now. He's not playing well. So I understand not putting the ball in his hand. Like he's been playing really bad. So I can't say, Hey man, he's playing really bad. That's another thing. We cannot continue to make excuses for RJ. Like, you know, so while I do feel like he'd be better off if we used him better the same way we should have done while he was playing well, I understand now not putting the ball in his hand while he's playing like shit. Like, you can't be like, all right, man, you have been playing like shit for two weeks, but here are the keys to the offense. It doesn't work that way. So he's going to have to earn that. But I just think that, you know, using him as a primarily as a spot-up shooter while his jumper is falling off a cliff isn't doing him or the team any favors. And I'd like to see Tibbs get creative with something whether it's a lineup, whether it's the road, like get creative with something. Um, I'm not really seeing much creativity out of him and it's frustrating. And I believe it's holding us back. And I still can't imagine why he's not playing Obi over 15 minutes, let alone 20. Um, I mean, it quickly isn't getting enough minutes in my opinion, excuse me, but I don't know. Thank God. I, and I, I want to be very loud. I'm trying to stay as many times as possible. Alec Burks is playing very well. I no longer want his minutes taken. I just have to like make that as clear. People think that when we say things, like it's like a blanket statement, like, oh, Ali Burke sucks, so never play him. It's like, no, I said he was playing like shit because he was. He's no longer playing like shit. So I don't want him to not play. Like it's pretty simple. I just don't get receipt like the receipt keeping on like every player all the time. Um, I get it for the main guys, right? Like the main guys, I would I would think it makes more sense. I always think that's a little more fair. But like if, if we're clamoring for like a bench player who's not playing well for like 10 consecutive games, to maybe get less minutes in favor of another bench player who's playing better. It's like, it's not, I mean, what, what are we doing? Wasting our time, bro. Like, I mean, it's, it's not like we're arguing, you know, even when, when he starts playing better, right. It's like, he should start now because 48 is doing nothing consistently for almost 20 games. He's doing nothing. So if Burks is suddenly coming on strong, these last 10 quick, mostly he's playing pretty well. I mean, it, to your point about the minutes, right? Like he did get 25 last night. Like if he plays north of 25, I'd like to see 30. If he plays like north of 25, especially given the OB situation, I'm going to be okay most nights. Like he went one for eight from three last night. He still finished with 12 points. If he just makes half his shots, he has a nice 20 point outburst off the bench. I mean, the normal shit we would expect from him. He just didn't get it going. Shit happens. And at least he was playing. At least they let him jack up a bunch of threes. Honestly, that's all that I usually normally care about, especially for young players. He, he got his reps. He got his minutes. Like, if we're not getting Obi, I'm, I'm going to give Tibbs that one at least. But my only real issue with uh, the, yeah, that discourse in general is just, you know, if you want to get, if you want to keep my receipts for the Fournier shit, if he starts going on fire the rest of the year, fine. Drag me. I don't give a fuck. If, if, whatever Randall or RJ we say on that shit, but like bench players, you guys got to let the, you guys got too much time in your hands to be worrying about what we said in game one. And the other thing too, is people forget we live tweet, bro. We, we live cover all the games. Okay. We're tweeting about plays all the time, a specific play, sometimes a specific stretch, a specific quarter, a half, a game or two at a time. These, like you said, these are not blanket statements and endorsements that are never changing. All of our opinions are changing all the time based on who's playing well, who's not because that's that is sports that i feel like sometimes we got to go macro in this podcast if people get too bogged down in, in nonsense that's sports if you're not playing well we don't want you to play as much if you're playing well we want you to play more that's it in the nfl that's how it works in baseball that's how it works in soccer that's how it works in basketball that's how it works big news for every single sport
bad players, guys who are struggling immensely for a sustained period of time. We're going to, that, that's how this works in the context of the roles, especially that's all just, it's an exhausting, I mean, you guys got to do better, you know, just a little bit, a little bit better. It's, 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 it's really simple. And like, you know, I had somebody who was on, like, when I said, uh, I think you tweeted it. You were like, uh, who would you rather have start IQ or Burks? And I was like, or I take either right now. And I was like, well, I pick IQ, but you know, I'm down for Burks too. He's playing much better, blah, blah, blah. And then somebody's like, oh, be consistent. You say now you want Burks to start after you talked all that shit about him, blah, 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 blah. And like, I've, I've gotten out of character a couple of times the past week and I'm not really proud of it, but you know, I was, I, he took it well. I like when people take it well. I was just like, you know, um, <laughs> apologies in advance for calling you a dickhead, but don't be one. I was like, when did I say I wanted Burks to start? I said, I actually said I wanted IQ to start, but I will take Burks because he's playing better than Fournier is right now. Fournier is playing like shit. Uh, the stuff I was saying, I haven't said a negative thing about Alec Burks in like two weeks. It's like, we play three times a week, probably. Like, yeah, over the course of games. And it's, it's objective. Like, if you see, if you go back and look, Alec Burks wasn't playing well. Like, it's not like he was dropping 25 a night and I was talking shit about him. So to go and point out that I said these things while he wasn't playing well and act like I can't. So because when he, was, when he wasn't playing well, I said he wasn't playing well. Now when he scored 17 points in the fourth quarter, I can't say he did. Like, I, I think people are so used to, wanting to die on hills and never be wrong. Like I'm cool. I love when I'm, when I get shut up, I do. I said all that shit about Fournier and a lot. I, it honestly gained more traction than I foresaw. And you know, like I, I feel like he heard me and then he came out and he hit five threes and I was like, all right, cool. I would, I, you think I want to, you think I want Evan Fournier to be bad so that I can be right. That's not the case at all. Like I would, Love to be set up every single time. I hate post-game pouting, to be honest. Least favorite show in the world. I, I only like post-game prosperity. I don't even like, like, I don't like having to make clips and put it on a timeline, me complaining. Like, win, play well. And then I don't have to say these things. But, I mean, we just cover the games as they happen. We live tweet them. We talk about them after the game. So it's like, if you play poorly in this game and then this game and then this game, that's going to be three straight games of you playing poorly. That's a week of you playing bad basketball. Well, what are we supposed to say? Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it always comes down to. Uh, and, and yeah, welcome to my world, pal, where everybody's always mad at you all the time for everything that you say. It doesn't matter. that Everybody's just waiting. And I always notice, too, a lot of times I'll tweet stuff, nobody says nothing. And then I'll tweet one thing that everybody hates, and then I just start getting dunked on left and right. It's like, guys. And it's always stuff that, like, I end up being right about later on, and then I, and then I just got to sit here like this all the time, right? Like, like the Frank stuff went on forever, right? And I always got dunked on, right? Where's Frank now? Everybody's going nuts every night. I go and check the box score, two points, three assists, a couple steals. Oh, so you mean the same exact thing that he was doing here? All right. You know what I mean? Impact, like, impact. Impact, baby, right? Like, I, that's always the argument. Like, I mean, all right, guys, fine. You know, the 48 thing, too. I get yelled, game one, like I told you, I got yelled at. And again, silence, you know, he, he shoots one for seven yesterday. His percentages are down, down to 40% from the field, 35% from deep. I mean, you, you got paid a lot of money to, to not do that. And, and, and really on the Fournier note, I, I again want to, I want to ask out loud what Fournier people watched the last decade. It's a, it's an open question. It's an honest question because folks love to act like I didn't watch any games in Orlando. I watch a lot of games. I watch, I work from home. My day starts with watching at least condensed games from the night before, at least. A lot of times I'm watching full possessions of games. 
I've seen a lot of Evan Fournier, man, especially once everybody wanted him for multiple seasons. There's a reason they just let him meander aimlessly in Orlando forever as a second banana that nobody ever traded for when that entire team was always on the trade block. Like, it's just kind of what it is. I mean, he's fine. He's fine sometimes with scoring. and But this, like, oh, well, you know, how could he be part of good Orlando defenses if he doesn't play good defense? I don't know. Watch the fucking game because uh, he doesn't play good defense. Sometimes he has a little bit more high energy, which is fine. A lot of the times he's dying on screens and he's chasing people, right? And this is consistent with my energy for Alfred Payton, who we spent two whole seasons being upset that he was dying on screens and chasing people. If you see the theme here, it's that no matter who the, the person is wearing the laundry of the Knicks in a game, I am going to be upset if you're dying on screens and chasing people. When RJ was doing the same thing, I was upset about it. Don't do that. Just maybe be better. And if you can't be better, why'd you get $80 million? That's it. It's a simple question. It's a fair question when you get a big payday, the biggest one in his career. At a strange time in his career to be getting it. Uh, I, I didn't think anything about a season last year said I got to throw $80 million at this guy, but we did it. Okay. Everybody said we got a fourth year option. That's great, man. Uh, we're in year one, and then we still have years two and three after this. Uh, and based on the first <laughs> 20 games, I'm not excited for 82 full games uh, next year or the year after. So, you know, again, to, to your point, we're not trying to actively hate guys, but it's like, hey, man, sometimes like some questionable shit. And we're allowed to be like, this is questionable. We're allowed, we're allowed to feel that way. If you want us to be cheerleaders all the time, ask me. Ask me politely. Be like, Kyle, can you just be a cheerleader? I want a cheerleader. I want to follow you and know that you're only going to tweet 100% positive things about the guys that I like. And then you can give us a short list of who those guys are. I'll make a note of it. I, I won't be mean about those guys. And then we'll all start getting along better. I don't know what you want me to do. Uh, we assess the game of basketball that's being played. You, you get paid to be a second highest player on the team. We lose by six. You go one of seven. I'm upset about it. That's, that's, how, that's how I work forever. If you listen to this podcast, uh, which has covered a lot of tremendously awful basketball <laughs> and tremendously awful players. So if anybody knows about bad basketball and bad players, it's us on this podcast. So, yeah, I mean, just, just be a little bit better. But, again, not to be all doom and gloom because – you know, little things were happening. Kemba had a, a brief stretch in the third where he, he and Julius looked like the chemistry was getting a little bit better. Uh, that was good. We saw 26 whole seconds of Quentin Grimes. Uh, looked like maybe one whole full possession, uh, which is better than the zero possessions we were getting prior. So uh, with Tibbs, that feels like a, a small victory worth noting. I don't want <laughs> I kind of just at least bring it up. Um, um, they did go small briefly. I'm just going through my notes here. They they went small briefly for a, a small period of time. Um, and when they weren't small, like I said, they attacked the mismatches. So, I mean, I didn't have a, a ton of issues with it other than, you know, guys got to make shots. If RJ makes even a little bit more shots yesterday and Fournier makes, you know, even, I mean, they had three, they, they shot three for 19 combined. To me, that's the whole ball game. He was by six. Yeah. I mean, you can't be looking at your breakout player, your rising star and your, your second highest player, your biggest addition from this offseason, and they they do that. It's just that that's the game. Uh, and when we talk about the starting unit problems this this season, that's the theme. Is it's always there's multiple guys who aren't just off a little bit; they're off all the way. We we can't keep getting all or nothing out of these guys. Like Julius finally has a great game, and it's not enough. We had all the looks. Nobody we else in the starting lineup with double digits. 
I mean, it's, it's disgusting, right? I mean, even like we're talking about quickly struggled a little bit and he, and he still had, had 12 points, right? Which was third highest yesterday. <laughs> I mean, that's not, it's like, it's like if you were playing fantasy this week and you know, everybody's like, wow, congrats to all the, the, the fantasy managers out there who had Jonathan Taylor this week. And then there's always one guy who's just like, I had him and I still lost. <laughs> that, that's almost what you're looking at yesterday. If, if I would have told you like, yeah, bro, against the Bulls, I promise you, Julius is going to have 34, 10, and three. He's going to kill it. He's going to kill the Bulls. You'd be like, oh, yeah, we probably won that fucking game, right? And then you look at the box score and you're like, oh, oh, so, no, so nobody else. Nobody else is going, okay, excellent. Nice. Nobody else. This is the problem. This is the problem. If you look at the plus minus with the starter, this is why it's always bad. The whole unit. It's the whole unit. It's always two or three guys at a time. You know, I mean, even Kemba, that was like a better flow of the game game for Kemba. Seven points, two rebounds, four assists. I mean, it was only 18 minutes, but even then it's like. And that all happened in that like third quarter stretch, like almost all, I think all seven points and probably like three of the assists were in that third quarter stretch, which was weird because he played a really good third quarter, yep. uh, got us going. And I liked the way the starters looked when Campbell, like, I think we need to have less of point Julius. I think for everyone's benefit. Yeah. I think for everyone's benefit, I think having him as a primary ball handler, like on walk up possessions is unnecessary or at least as many of them. Because especially when guys aren't hitting shots, like we said, you got to play in the guy's strengths, especially like shots aren't falling right now. So just having him generate everything and kick it out to a bunch of guys who are one for nine isn't helping anybody. So I, I like the way we looked when Campbell was running it. Uh, they got that pick and roll going. I love when they run that pick and roll. They had one where it was like from the left side, Julius rolled, Campbell slid the pass, and Julius came through and dunked it. Like I would like to do that at least three times a game. Like, and I feel like that's possible. Like that's something we can do more often. It's not very difficult. Like we just don't do it very often. So I would like us to try to lean into that because I feel like it makes us a better team and allows us to, you know, it gets Kemba into a rhythm, gets Julius into a rhythm. We saw that, and then Kemba didn't come back in the game. Um, I'm not going to cry about it. I just don't think it makes a lot of sense, especially when last night wasn't like a huge Derrick Rose night. Um, I think that Kemba should have came back on the floor after how well he played in the third quarter and how that kind of paced us in that second half. That was one of our best third quarters in a while. We came out, and it seemed like, okay, like, we know that we kind of collapsed in third quarters. We came out strong. Uh, we kind of punched them in the mouth a bit. We were playing well defensively. We were moving the ball offensively. And we just, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't really get the logic behind certain things. Like, I don't understand why Canva didn't come back in. I don't understand why or how Obi only played 15 minutes. Those things don't make sense to me. But I, I would like for us to see the things that work well in a vacuum and expand upon them. So it's like, uh, at this point, we should see more of the Kemba Julius pick and roll when we start games um, because it worked. I, I don't think that we should see things that work, especially as a guy who is always in his office, as they say. You know, he's obsessed with basketball. He's watching all the film. You watch all this film and keep doing the same thing over and over again. Like, what are you watching the film for? You may as well just not watch the film. Just coach the game, move on. You're not going to adjust. Just keep going. Why, why are you wasting your time watching the film? Yeah, I mean, the whole offseason approach was to get Julius Randle help so that he didn't have to do all of the tasks all of the time. And it seems like they just want to do that again. And then now we're back to, and, and that's why I, I'm, you know, and again, I always admit it on the podcast. I don't care to ever get into it on Twitter anymore. I know I'm a Randall apologist. I understand this, but at the same time, it's because they ask him to do so many things every single game that I'm almost like, I try to always view it in that lens of like, okay, so you, 
you refuse to really run the office through that many other guys or that many other actions. And then at the same time, when he does pass it, which is pretty frequent, everybody loves to act like, I see this thing too, where everybody gets a Julius for over dribbling, but nobody mentions like Evan over dribbling, which is very strange to me. Um, Julius always has the most passes, almost always has the most potential assists, always has, I mean, he's moving the ball. He's finding wide open shooters. If guys don't make shots every single game all the time, I, you know, I can see why, yeah, then like the Julius games look worse. Okay. So if I'm, if I'm passing to my new shiny upgrades and nobody hits shots, what do you, what do you want me to do? You know, I mean, uh, I forgot who, I feel like there was a, a report or a rumor anyway, that, uh, some of the premier Knicks, which could only mean like two Knicks, in my opinion, you know, Randall or RJ were complaining about the offense a little bit. And it's like, yeah, man. I mean, if, if it's Randall, I would understand. It's like, yo, he's getting fried out here most nights on Twitter or on, online anyway. It's like, what do you, what do you want him to do? You, you, you pay the money to get this guy help. The only adjustment we saw in the playoffs last year was like, wow. <sighs> okay. Load, they load up on Julius. Playmaking fours are great for the regular season. It gets tough with how certain teams can see a uh, scheme against you in the playoffs and he's got to get help, especially from deep. Okay. And, and again, my, my recanting of the Fournier thing was more, I like the approach that they had once I saw the Kemba thing, the Kemba signing. Right. But then even with Kemba, you guys can't keep giving nothing. So, you know, I, it, it's going to, it's look, it's going to be tough, but like you said, they, they got to be able to mix it up. And again, if you're not going to mix the lineups up, that's fine, but there's actions you can mix up. How many times have we come in this pod and say, we would love to see more pick and rolls. We would love to see pick and rolls as a regular action, a secondary action. And it feels like we can go quarters without seeing it. And that's weird to me. That's nuts to me because I feel like even if guys are off, you have enough guys who can handle the basketball and run the pick and roll. Kemba can run a pick and roll. Julius can run a pick and roll. RJ can run a pick and roll. Uh, Fournier, for as much as everybody thinks I only slander him, he does nice things in two-man games, at least in terms of running certain actions, with whether it's the handoffs or the pick and pops. Or We even saw, again, it was rare, but they ran a few Spain things earlier in the season where he was able to fly off and free up as an open shooter. So, like, schematically, they do things that work, is what bothers me with Tibbs. Like, they do do things, and they do work to what you, your point shot. They, we see it work. Even if the shots don't go in, we see the actions and we see them work. And then it feels like that cre creativity is not as consistent. And that's what's a little bit disappointing because he is a brilliant head coach, Tom Thibodeau. He is a great head coach. It, it, generally, his teams play hard, right? I mean, we saw that last year. They love him, right? But it seems like when, I don't know if things get tough is the right word, but it seems like, you know, a lot of times he just goes back to like doubling down on like, this is, this is going to work. This is what we ran. Like, I'm going to run it and run it and run it again and again and again. And he does it until it works almost. And it's like, it, you just got to be a little bit more creative. But I just want to change gears a little bit because the first 20 games of uh, this season has basically been the Knicks playing down or up to certain competitions, often down, down. But they wasted really an easy opening schedule. It's just what it is. They're still nine and they're nine and seven, nine and eight now. Let me just double check the standings. They're nine, nine and eight. And eight. They're in seventh. It's, it's again, uh, look, the East is tough. There's more winning teams this year. Uh, right now, Charlotte is fifth seed at 10 and eight. And then it's five straight nine and eight teams, Cleveland, New York, Boston, the Bucks, and the Sixers. So like, it's not really the end of the world in like the full conference context, but at the same time now you got to clean it up and fast. Okay. Like now, now you got about 60 ish games left and you, you really got to start to get going. And, one thing I always bring up 
on this pod is that I don't like to panic until we get about a quarter of the way into the season because now you start to settle on who guys actually are, who the team actually is. And now I'm starting to feel like we're just about there or getting there. And obviously there's a lot of basketball left to be played. Teams get hot later in the season sometimes. Very possible they do, of course, not writing them off. But they got a tough schedule coming up. They got the Lakers coming to the Garden uh, tomorrow. They got the Suns coming on Friday. Just went to the final Suns, right? They got 12 uh, straight Suns. 12 straight Suns. I mean, this is not this is not an easy basketball team. I feel like Chris Paul loves playing against us. Uh, uh, we got Trey Young Saturday. We're going to Atlanta, right? So we got to play our, our our opponent from last year. We got we got to go figure that out, right? So there's that. And then right after that, what do we have on uh, next Tuesday? We got the Nets. I'm almost happy that they have a very difficult stretch coming up. And it's because, you know, I say this a lot on this pot. You got to get punched in the face sometimes. I, they got to go get punched in the face now. This is a difficult stretch. Like, they, they know it. They see it. So you're looking at, you're staring at it in the face. December doesn't get any easier. I'm not going to read the whole December schedule, but it's, it's not exactly any easier. It's a lot of good teams, again, uh, especially to start the month. It's time to put up or shut up a little bit. You got to go win some games. You know, we can't always look at a game and go, oh, it's the Cavs. We've got to win this one. And then when they, and again, they should, but if they don't, then we get upset about it. All right, well, you're still a good team. So you got to beat some good teams too. It's not always just about, oh, I can't wait till we get a soft spot in the schedule. We can pencil in some wins. I hate that shit. If you're a good team, get up for the good teams then. Like, okay, you guys fucked around. A bunch of wonderful games. You lost two to the Magic. You should have won. You know, you let Ru Ricky Rubio go off for damn near 40 points, had the night of his life in New York. Like, Okay, you guys blew opportunities. Even this last game against the Bulls, everybody but Julius misses. You guys blown a lot of opportunities here, man. So that's your fault. And now you got to dig your way out. So now you got a bunch of hard games coming up. Unfortunately, LeBron didn't get suspended uh, for the Malice in the Palace Part Two. It seems, uh, which is, <laughs> I, I think we need to. I think we need to openly write a letter as fans collectively. Uh, I think we need to push for this. Uh, you know, th this type of this type of action can't be tolerated. <laughs> in our game in our game on a basketball court uh, i saw isaiah stewart with a with a bloody orbital bone uh, he could have gotten it fractured his mouth was bleeding is this really the standard we want to set for our children watching the game sean i think lebron needs to be suspended at minimum for tomorrow night Possibly 15 games. That's all that I'm going to say. I'm going to write an open, <laughs> an open letter to, to Adam Silver tomorrow. I've had enough. It's a sickening, you know, it's a sickening thing that LeBron gets to get away with this stuff again. Sickening. Yeah, you know, my kids haven't been this upset since they saw the Cam Newton dab. So they definitely... <laughs> <laughs> LeBron needs to be disciplined, so this is... <laughs> Immediately. Immediately. <laughs> Yeah, nah, but, uh, I, I, it's funny how I just knew they were going to suspend him. So them finding Isaiah Stewart almost a million dollars so they don't have to suspend him ju to justify if they're not suspending LeBron is hilarious to me. Because, yeah, Madison Square Garden, national television, LeBron James, he wasn't getting suspended. Never. <laughs> not, not a chance. Uh, they would have been playing. Not for Isaiah Stewart. <laughs> no, no. There's, just, there's absolutely no chance. I still can't believe that, that happened. I, we could spend a minute on that. This is going to be all mixed up all the time. But that was... I mean, I, I said it before the pod was recorded, but that, that was a, an insane... I, I'm always on my phone. Everybody knows this. Always on my phone, always checking Slack, always seeing what's going on. I put my phone down for one hour. I come back, 
I'm seeing tweets. LeBron punched this guy in the face. I'm like, what is going on? I check Slack. I see, I see all the all the clips in, in the Knicks wall Slack about what happened. Uh, I, I understand why Isaiah Stewart got mad. It, it did, I'm not going to say it was like an intentional swing per se, but like, you know, when you're like carelessly, like not carelessly careless, you know, like. Yep. I'm not. I'm not trying to hit you, but if you get hit, hey, you know. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't trying to hit you in the face, but I was. I was trying to hit you somehow. Like I was. I was trying to get into you a little bit. That's what I saw. And then the way that I look at it is, that, uh, if somebody makes you bleed, typically you got a pretty good case to be angry. So you know, all jokes aside from the, the previous ramble, but I understood why Isaiah still was mad. I thought it was a little bit theatrical. Uh, I thought, you know, typically in the NBA, guys never really want to fight is the infamous Lonzo Ball line, you know, these nobody's actually going to fight. It's the NBA. He's right. Uh, I thought Isaiah had a, you know, if he really wanted to get LeBron, I think he always got instantaneous, bro. You got hit in the face right away. Attack, attack, go out immediately. Don't, don't, don't wait for like the refs to figure out that you guys have a tussle and then you get into it and then everybody holds you. And, and in fairness, I think he eventually did lose his mind and really want to get after LeBron because it was like three separate spin moves, swim moves, trying to get away to get to LeBron. <laughs> I think Cade had a Cade was blocking uh, better than Cade's anybody. Cade's done a great job. Better, better than anybody in the Jets' offensive line. It was the most tremendous thing I've ever <laughs> seen. Isaiah Stewart is a, is a mammoth of a man, and Cade just got back from you know the sprained ankle, and he's over here, you know, really just pass blocking, amazing stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, w- I was intrigued. I, I definitely thought the NBA was going to crack down harder. Uh, I didn't want them to like you know. I didn't actually want them to, but I was a little bit surprised that I was like, oh, mostly just fines and seems pretty tame, you know, given the the literal runaround of the whole court. It looked pretty chaotic, but, uh, you know, sometimes you need a little excitement in the NBA, man. Sometimes you need a little bit. I mean, see, seeing the bloody pictures of Isaiah Stewart was not fun. Uh, I mean, Je- Jess especially has been riding this beef stew agenda for the Knicks for a long time. That's her guy. But, uh, I mean, it was, it was a little unfortunate. I thought he got hit in the face. I don't know. When did he get hit in the mouth? Was it the same? It was the same pop. It was the same pop. I'm pretty sure it just was a very, very like you know. It looked like LeBron was trying to. It, it didn't seem like he meant to hit him in the face like that. Like it wasn't like a punch to the face, in my opinion. I believe that he was like pulling his arm away, but he did so maliciously, so it hit him in the face, and like he was leaking, like his entire face was leaking. I thought the Carmelo video was hilarious. Did you see that one? He's like, he's, he's not coming over here. <laughs> Cause Isaiah Stewart like ran through the tunnel and everything. And everyone's like scared. Like he was some madman on the loose. I had like flash when he was running through and Cade was uh, trying to hold him back. I had flashbacks to the other side of that where Jared Jeffries was chasing Mello. And I was like, wow. Like when uh, I forgot who it was, that was holding his Jersey back and it was like stretching across the whole court. And he was, <laughs> so yeah, but Mello's like, he's not coming over here. I think that was hilarious. Um, but yeah, I, uh, Interesting thing. And, you know, not, the bloody image a little much, but the rest of it, pretty entertaining. You know, I don't think things like that are necessarily bad for the league. Of course, the league wants to clean it up as they should. But, you know, you need some excitement. It was cool for Sunday night. Sometimes you got to lean into the drama. You need a little drama. You know, we, can, we can't always have the same basketball drama every night. Great game, of course. I love the NBA every single night. But, you know, sometimes, yeah, you need a little you know, need a little anger, man. You need a little mean streak. You know, we're going to talk about it for a week. It's been a good, It's been a good year, though. For the drama, I do want to say, you know, we got the uh, the Jokic, Marcus Morris. Uh, hey, did you see Marcus Morris is out like 15 games with a whiplash or something like that? Really? 
Yeah, somebody sent that in Slack. I don't know if it was nonsense. If it's nonsense, uh, I'm sorry. But, I mean, was it nonsense? I feel like I got to look it up. That seems like a seems like a serious thing to throw out here on this podcast. Was it Marquise? No, it was... It was Marquise. It was Marquise. Yeah, I mean, that, that's my rule. Like, you know, if you don't want to hit me, if you don't want to be hit, don't hit me. Like, so I wasn't even mad at Jokic for that. Like, people were like, oh, he didn't have to hit him back that hard. It was like, bro, like, I don't think Nikola Jokic, like, knows how to hit softly. Like, I don't know. You just Maybe if you don't want to get hit hard, don't hit bears. Like, that's it. It's pretty simple. Like, don't, you know, you can't maul him and then be like, oh, well, he should have mauled me politely. Like, or, oh, he shouldn't have hit me. They were like, oh, it's the cheap shot because he hit him from behind. Like, if you hit me, don't turn around. Like, that's your fault. Like, no, I was uh, so I was correct. He's gonna miss at least ten games with a whiplash. So that's wild. Th- that is wild, bro. But I mean, he got decked. He got leveled. That was wild, yo. I was watching that game live for no reason. And then it was, I think it was because I remember the, I think the Nuggets were all big at one point. So I was like half paying attention. All of a sudden, you hear the announcers, "Oh, whoa!" And I was like, "What's going on?" And then I look and I see Morris on the floor. I was like, "What? This is unbelievable. What could have possibly happened?" I rewind fifteen seconds and I see. I mean, yeah, I mean, he did get hit hard, though. When you're not looking and you get blindsided from the back, I mean, at the same time, though, shouldn't have turned around. You shouldn't have turned around. You shouldn't have kept your back turned. That's a, this, is an East, this is an Eastern European man. I mean, they play with knives and fight bears for fun over there. I mean, this is not, that's not the guy that you run into and then pretend nothing happened. You know, hit him, and then, <laughs> hit him and then be aware at least. Like, all right, well, you know, now, now what are we going to do? I'm, you know, you want to want to square up, square up, but and that's not the is, not the man, not the family you want to mess with. Not a not a good situation. It is not Jokic's fault that you turned your back. Like I don't know, people. Someone do it was like some heat bands on my mentions. Like oh really? Because I was like oh if you uh, if you hit me if you don't want to be hit don't hit me. And some heat band was like oh you wouldn't be saying that if it was Julius. I was like honestly, if Julius decided to attack a bear and the bear attacked him back. I'd be worried for his safety, but like I wouldn't necessarily be mad at the bear. Like it is what plain and simple. Correct, like correct me if I'm wrong on this. I don't know how you feel, but I feel as long as you're pushing, even if it's a very violent and aggressive push, I feel like it's that to me in basketball, that's fair. Because most guys don't ever want to throw a punch, right? Punches, kicks, shit like that. Generally, we under, we know where the line is, right? But guys love pushing and shoving, right? So if you're gonna come running into somebody, that that's a hard push to me. You run into somebody, I'm not gonna sit here and say a dirty elbow. Yeah, to me, it didn't look that dirty. It was just like a really hard kind of. Now he like he running. bowled him in his ribs. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a hard, it was a hard like like a body type shot. You know what I mean? And yeah, then, ribs. All right, so so if you then get pushed back, to me, everybody's squ- now we're square. If you don't like how you got pushed the second time, you shouldn't push the first time. But it's not a key. If if he sucker punched him, some something like that, then yeah, I, I understand. Like like a punch, you know what I mean? A legit punch. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. I, I would have been outraged about it with the Jokic thing, but like to me, it's a, it was a push for a push. Y- Jokic didn't see M- Morris coming the first time either. He came behind him on an angle, up into his ribs a little bit. Okay, and now you didn't see Jokic shoot to you. I thought that was as, as eye for an eye as it gets. You know, like pretty fair to me. Oh, Mark, you okay, but recover from whiplash, buddy. <laughs> you know, but uh, that's. I mean, what what else you got? Anything else? Um, well, I, I feel like we complained about the Obi thing already. Uh, it just doesn't make sense that he only got 15, didn't get 15 minutes with people being out. He's playing really well. He needs to play. Um, we're debuting the black uniforms with the black court. 
we are that's gonna be really cool i don't think we've ever done like a cool court thing i've watched a bunch of other franchises do it and we've never done it um so i'm very excited for that that, that should be really interesting and the black jerseys are very cool uh it's very nice that you know we asked for black jerseys our entire lives and we got, got cool ones I, you know we got them last year and obviously they didn't do the court last year we just played in the blue court which normally i don't mind when they don't change the next court uh now that the paint is blue again for the last x amount of years because i just didn't like it when the paint was orange and then we had no cool jerseys i was getting really upset with that uh repeated annual development but i I like that they're they're being a little bit more aggressive with leaning into the black because I feel like we said it on this pod a lot of years, but like, you know, New York is supposed to be like Gotham, right? Like sleek, whatever. You got to lean into that element. And that's why I think a lot of us gravitated towards one of those 90s road jerseys to come back with the black stripe on them. And, you know, e- even if we're still waiting for that, which, you know, Nick's, and I know you're listening, uh, please just bring those back. Uh, you, you've teased us in a couple different graphics and ways. Uh, We've waited long enough, man. We need to have those 90s jerseys back. We miss them. Those, to me, are the best jerseys, period, that you guys have made. Aside from some of the, I think it's the 80s ones that I like, too. Um, But just these ones I like. These ones I like. I thought they kept it simple. That's what we've been asking for with these ones that are going to debut tomorrow. They kept it simple. You know, last year, they tried to get nuts. They tried to do that that paint blend of colors (laughs) at the top the orange that goes into the blue, into the white. It's just just keep it simple because if you keep it simple with the black jersey, you win. That's how this works. You win. Every time people love black jerseys, keep it simple. So what they do, they gave us the nice, beautiful orange number, the white outline to it, New York on the front, no frills, no nonsense. Even the blue, they toned down the blue. They only put it, I think, in uh, the middle slot on the piping. That's fine. To me, that's fine. And you know what's going to happen? Tomorrow they're going to go out. They're going to play on a black court. And it's going to pop. Everything's going to look really crisp. I haven't seen it. I, I need to see it on the broadcast thing. I need to be watching the game while they're playing it. But, like, I was really impressed, man. I got to say, I'm very hard to please with the jerseys. You know, my first reaction, even if I end up turning around on them, I always look at them and go, I hate this immediately. Immediately, I don't like this. Maybe I'll warm up to it. I really liked them. As soon as I saw them, I really liked them. I thought the shorts were great, too. Uh, they had the, the garden. Uh, the garden silhouette. That was really yeah. cool. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that that was a better touch than sometimes they try to do like the skyline thing with the lines on the sides of the jerseys, which, you know, I, I appreciate the try, but, you know, st- stick to your elements, stick to the black, stick to the, the garden itself. I'm very, I'm very pleased by it, man. I, I'm going to order a jersey. I don't know which one I've been deciding. Guys are playing like shit right now, so I haven't decided to give them my money. Just off, off principle, <laughs> you guys got to start stringing a few together and then I'll throw you my, my hundred beans with, with these, but, uh, I mean, you can't go out there and stink it up tomorrow. That's all that I ask. I want to enjoy the uniforms. You know, I want to enjoy this court. We never get them to experiment to this degree, and we got it. I just need, please win. And if you don't win, give us a great game where guys mostly look like themselves. Not everything's always about a win. I just need to see that you guys are playing the right way. But please. You don't just don't stink. Remember, because remember when we got the orange jerseys the last time? I was just about to say that, and then we took them away forever because we were zero and six. <laughs> well, what was the la- was it the Spurs was the last loss? Which was the la- the last loss they had? I forget. I forget. It might not have been the Spurs, but that- I think it was the Bulls. I remember we played the Bulls in the orange jerseys, and it just went really poorly. And we was like, all right. I mean, that so. why would we decide to play a, a red and white team with orange jerseys? That's just like a clash in hell, <laughs> you know? I mean, I don't get that. Oh. Hold on. 
We spoke too soon about the suspensions, my friend. LeBron James has been suspended one game. Isaiah Stewart has been suspended two games. Shams just tweeted. Wow. Well, well, well. So the Carmelo homecoming, the plot thickens because I'm assuming he's going to be slid right back into the starting role. I mean, wow. I, they did it. They did it. I was wow. We were, you know, Adam Silver, uh, whoever our FBI agent is that's tapped into my internet that was sending this directly to Adam Silver's office. Thank you. Uh, prayers are out. LeBron, LeBron got suspended. Uh, we, we get one break. We get one break. We finally got it. Uh, wow. They really did it. Yeah, I, I did not see that coming at all. That's pretty shocking. Shout out to them. Um, all right, yeah, so it's not a mellow game. Um, and we have to make sure we contain Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook. I need a dub. I don't care who's playing or not. Um, like you said, we just can't we can't waste this. That we're unveiling the new court with the new uniforms, it's too cool. It'll be a really good moment to have on national television to really be successful on this night. Shout out to Steve Stout. Um, when we first like had that thing announced, we hired him or whatever for creative stuff. Uh, for a long time, nothing was happening. We were all pointing that out. Um, but, you know, things are happening. Like, the Kith partnership is pretty cool. Uh, you know, the new court is dope. The uniforms are dope. So, you know, it's nice to see the Knicks being creative. And he was the person hired to be, like, the creative director. So, shout out to him for that. Um, but, yeah, shout out to Lee for spending LeBron. We got to take it. If we lose to the Lakers without LeBron, I'm going to be pretty upset. Nah, no, no, seriously, though. No. Like, w- without LeBron, like, even with LeBron. They look a little bit suspect. I mean, I feel like LeBron teams, especially in his latter years, always start really slow. And then it's mostly about the last like four months they pick it up and then they're fine mostly. But, you know, I feel like, again, we say this every year, but they look especially bad right now. And you just got to strike while the iron's hot, man. You don't look good. They don't look good. And no offense. I know Anthony Davis just had a great game against the Pistons. And I know that, you know, it seemed like they finally got a little bit more motivated to play after the incident with Stewart and LeBron. But it feels like a lot of games are not motivated, man. They're just like us. They come out here, they float around, they do, they do nothing. They just come out and they want to coast for a while. Take advantage, man. Anthony Davis has made a glass. Anthony Davis does not want to bang. And Anthony Davis is not about it on a consistent night-to-night basis. I, th- I feel like that's not brought up enough. Uh, there's always those silly... Giannis or AD, who would you rather? It's Giannis every time in a heartbeat. I'm not even thinking about it. It's not even a question, in my opinion. So yeah, go out there and beat Anthony Davis up, man. He doesn't want to play the five. He gets beat up. He doesn't want to play the four. I mean, I don't know what he wants anymore. He just, you know, he's got like one good game. He goes like 30-15 with six blocks, and then he's quiet for like a week. So, you know, let's, let's start the week that way tomorrow. Wow. No, I'm just, I'm surprised they did the suspension. I really am. I thought he was just going to get the five. I was going to be it. But, um, I mean, hey, he's duck, he's ducking the Knicks. I think he called in a league favor. He said, I can't go over there tomorrow. They're going to be too excited. They're unveiling the black jerseys. And I just want to be a spectator. And I think that's what we got. So it is what it is. But um, that's about all I got. And as always, just make sure you're following the Knicks wall. You guys have been doing a great job. Yeah, you got us over 40,000 followers. We got to drop the Kurt Thomas tribute video. I was very happy about that. We had that in the pipeline for a while. It couldn't have been anybody else but Kurt. Uh, so next milestone is uh, 50. I know what you guys are Michael thinking. Michael Sweetney. I know what you guys are thinking. You, you can't possibly do Michael Sweetney. You guys, there's no way you, you will go there. There's no way you can even compile enough highlights 
to make a Michael Sweeney tribute. And to that, we say, challenge accepted. We'll see you in 10,000 followers. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no chance you do Zach Randolph. It's only going to be Michael Sweeney. Everybody knows ahead of time. The cat is out of the bag. Somehow, some way, it's going to be a Michael Sweeney tribute. That's it. That's it. Good luck. I mean, good luck. I mean, that's what we're going to do. So <laughs> what was, what was the best, Sean, do you have a Michael Sweeney memory? You want to, you want to throw away well ahead of 50 K here? Uh, you know, it was really nice when I was able to go to Nick games back then and appreciate Michael Sweeney as he struggled for front court minutes with Othella Harrington and Clarence Witherspoon, And they all looked the same from where I was sitting. But it takes me back, man. Uh, <laughs> my, my, <laughs> my favorite Michael Sweeney memory is uh, nothing that he did on the court. Uh, one of my good friends at school at the time, he was like, oh, I got a new mixture. You know, I was like, great. What, what is it? He's like, I'll show you in the morning. Uh, we, we go to the bus stop in the morning. It's a white Michael Sweeney jersey. And my question was simply, why? And he's like, it's How? the new draft. And I was like, I was like well, yeah. And, he, and he's like, well, it's the new draft pick. And I was like, yeah, but... <laughs> Did you hey, did, did you see? Did you see any of him at all? Even briefly? And uh top I mean, ten pick in the 2003 draft. I mean, we, we, I mean, we've been through some shit, man. I mean, every every time I, every time I get upset about like the nine and eight like starter, like when we struggle a little bit, I'm like, ah, I mean we we willingly started and paid a lot of people that shouldn't have been professional basketball players. So, you know, I, I try to <laughs> It's been worse, but yeah, I mean, so we will get you the guys that Michael Sweeney tribute video, of course, of course, I'm very excited for it. You know, we, we shattered 40,000, very excited to, to get to the next 10 K, but seriously, appreciate you guys. appreciate you guys following, of course, uh, best followers in the world. Uh, even when you DM us thinly veiled threats, telling us that these losses are all our fault, which at times they are, at times they are not, but you know, it is what it is. We're part of this roller coaster together. So appreciate you guys being part of the ride this entire time. It's been, uh, Big throw, but make sure you guys keep following, uh, you know, going to the nextworld.com, read it. Make sure you guys are subscribed to this podcast, giving it a five star rating and review, and just stay tuned on a number of fronts. Uh, done a great job, of course, supporting us with the merchandise. Brian Gray, Dom, a lot of, a lot of guys that put a lot of work into these things, but we have more things we're cooking up. And normally, when we say that stuff, we do fun things. Uh, you've gotten a lot of games and apps and things in the past. I can't say specifically what may be coming, but just stay tuned because uh, we, we like to, to give you guys more than the average website, more than the average podcast, more than the average blog, whatever you want to call us. We get called a lot of things. But uh, at the end of the day, we do this so you guys can have a fun basketball experience, even if you don't agree with us. So um, stay tuned. I don't know when things are going to drop. I just know that things are going to be coming. We're working on stuff very, very hard right now. So be ready. Stay tuned. If you are going to place your orders, though, for the merchandise, and I'm going to put the link out probably either tonight or tomorrow, uh, get the orders in immediately. I'm going to eat, you know, either 20, 25% off for Black Friday. Uh, whole store will be on sale again. Uh, I'm going to have a couple ugly Christmas sweaters in there and then, you know, have at it. But place your orders quickly. Uh, there are still supply chain issues. Things have eased up slightly, but still, you don't want to take any chances. If you were doing this for a gift or for yourself, just ahead of time, earlier the better. If you wait until December, especially that after that first week, I mean, you're probably not going to get it uh, ahead of, just the way that things are right now. Uh, I sound like a broken record, but a lot of, really a lot of you guys do order, and I just want to make sure you guys are aware of this as you're placing your orders. I'm not trying to take your money. You don't get it for Christmas, and then you're upset. 
I'd be upset too. I don't want to have anybody upset here. So I'm going to put this stuff out, place your orders now. Just get it out of the way. Save you some money. Have a good holiday. We all ride off into the sunset. So designtree.com slash the Knicks wall. Check everything out. Wait for me to put the link out with the coupon code. Save you some money. We'll go from there. But uh, aside from that, we'll talk to you guys next time. Hopefully, after we beat the dog shit out of a lebron list now uh, Lakers game tomorrow. Breaking so, news on, on the TKW pod. Re- really, I mean, this is this is just what we do, Sean. It's just breaking news here, apparently. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, look, everybody, I hope we have the same agenda tomorrow. Last thing I'm going to say before we get out of here, Carmelo, 30-piece, and a Lakers loss. That's all that we want to see. Need it. Right? Okay, so, <laughs> and I know we will talk to you guys tomorrow, hopefully after a win, and we'll go from there. Take it easy, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Adios.